Hello, my lovely listeners. I'm Dr. Mary Barson. And I'm Dr. Lucy Burns. Welcome to this episode of Real Health and Weight Loss. Lucy, this episode, we are going to talk about low-carb real food, which is essentially the linchpin of how you reduce insulin and start burning fat for good. So first of all, could you please tell us how did we all get into this mess anyway? Yes, it's a very interesting story. Some would call it a sordid tale. But for various reasons, it became law, actually, in many countries uh, that the guidelines, that the guidelines for the way we should eat were established, both in America, Australia, and most of the Western countries. These guidelines were all aimed at reducing heart disease. And the thought was that the cause of heart disease was fat in our diet. So we all became low-fat advocates. Fat was reduced in the diet, which leaves only protein and carbohydrate to take up the slack. Now, interestingly, protein's quite an expensive macronutrient and carbohydrates are really cheap. So we ended up having a lot larger carbohydrate load in our diet. So if we go back to the fireplace analogy, and if you've missed that, just listen to the previous episode. What has ended up happening is that we are fueling our bodies on a giant pile of kindling with no logs or like one log, hardly any logs, giant pile of kindling put next to our fire. So every time we were hungry, we would eat some carbs, a muesli bar, even fruit is essentially carbohydrate. We ate quickly, we ate pasta, we ate rice. I think the simple answer that carbohydrates are the cause is correct. But how we actually got there is quite complicated. And again, that's possibly, you know, maybe a topic we could talk about further down the track. So if you imagine you've got this giant pile of kindling next to your fireplace, and the thing is, right, this is actually the kicker. Carbohydrates cause insulin to be released. Protein causes a small amount of insulin to be released. And fat causes none. So how weird is that? We've grown up thinking fat makes you fat. But in fact, fat does not spike or cause an insulin rise at all. So we've run away from fat. We've got a giant pile of kindling. Every time we eat, we get more and more insulin. Now, just like lots of things, the more you have, the more tolerant you become. So our tissues become tolerant, which means our pancreas has to work harder. We produce more and more insulin, locking away that shed. The thing is, right, that it's not that all of us are out there, you know, hoeing into junk food. And that's a whole different story because I've got a lot to say on that. And it's not bad. It is not the person who's eating the junk food's fault. I've got a lot to say on industry promoting junk food. But this is even people that are eating what is supposedly healthy, heart healthy grains. And I'm again, I'm using air quotes. I love air quotes, but you can't see them. So they're not much use to you. But grains, legumes, bread, pasta, the initial recommendations was 
massive amounts of these 15 serves a day of various grains and that has been really the driving factor. So it's the increasing carbohydrates in our diet that have caused the problem with increased insulin and as you said there we get tolerant to it so the more our bodies have to make insulin the more insulin resistant we become. Mm, Absolutely and I think the other thing to I guess just point out to our listeners is that the thing with carbohydrates is that they don't promote satiety. Now satiety is a word that's sort of disappeared out of out of our our language but satiety is our fullness so how full we feel after a meal the only way we can get really full with carbohydrates is volume and that means our stomach is stretching and look to be honest i used to think that that's what made you hungry you know your stomach was empty like nothing in it or your stomach was full and that was hunger but we now know that hunger even is a hormonal process Look, we can forgive people for not knowing that because literally that was only discovered in the 90s. We're not really, it's newish science still. It wasn't sort of something we've known about for the last 150 years. So carbs make us hungry and I'm sure we all know that. Do you find that, Mares? Yes, absolutely. And particularly when you eat carbohydrates, you know, such as an apple or a sandwich, bread or pasta, your body has to, all of the wheat, say you eat a bowl of pasta, the pasta is basically sugar. Starch in the pasta is just a whole lot of sugar molecules, glucose molecules joined together. And the moment that we eat the pasta, it turns into sugar. In fact, it even starts to turn to sugar in our saliva, in our mouth. We've got enzymes that break down the starch. So a bowl of pasta is a bowl of sugar. So we eat our bowl of pasta sugar and all of that sugar hits our bloodstream. It can't stay there. High blood sugar is dangerous. So our bodies must make insulin. And often your body will actually overshoot. So it'll it'll deal with this huge carbohydrate load, make a whole pile of insulin to deal with it, to turn that sugar, take the sugar from the blood and let our body store it as fat. And the overshoots, you'll actually get low blood sugar, which will make you kind of have a sugar crash and get hungry again, uh, you know, a very short time after eating your high carb meal. Mm, exactly. The thing is also that we... You know, people eat big bowls of pasta. Pasta, you know, there are dedicated pasta bowls. They're huge. Nobody eats pasta in a little teacup because three strands of spaghetti is not going to fill you up at all. You need a big whopping amount of it because it doesn't signal those satiety hormones. It only fills us up by overstretching our stomach. So the reason that people have become insulin resistant um, and have elevated insulin is because of uh, a high carbohydrate diet that is sort of out of whack with our genetics, for example. So how would you know if you've got high insulin or insulin resistance? Okay, so there's a couple of, um, I guess we call them clinical signs that will lead you to the idea that you may be insulin resistant. And insulin is, apart from sort of sorting out the sugar, it's also a growth hormone. It's good to think of it in terms like that because high insulin causes skin tags. 
So if you're a person with lots of, you know, little skin tags around your neck or under your armpit, something like that, that's often a good indicator of high circulating insulin. In some people, it can also cause some discoloration of their skin. And these are in particular in areas like under your armpits or in your groin, sometimes on your neck, and you'll have a browner pigment, and that's often insulin resistance. But the ultimate way to test is through a blood test. Now, unfortunately, it's not like a glucose test that you can do a finger prick on and measure it at home. You can only get it done through a pathology lab. And we recommend if you're not on a low-carbohydrate diet, our recommendation is to get a glucose tolerance test with corresponding insulin. So what that means is that you actually have a measured, a regulated amount of carbohydrate or glucose. We then see how much insulin does your pancreas produce in response to that. So it's almost like looking under the hood of the car, because if we just check glucose, the glucose is often normal. Makes sense, doesn't it? Because that's the pancreas' job, make lots of insulin to keep the glucose normal. So glucose will be normal, but insulin can be anything. We can have no idea about it. I think, Bez, we should put some show notes at the end of this, and we'll put a list of perhaps helpful blood tests that could be helpful for people um, to have a little look. Uh, so, Mez, you know, I love talking about insulin. It is one of my favorite topics to bang on about. But it's all very well knowing what your insulin result is. We've discussed that there are no specific tablets to fix it. And we mentioned that the key is low-carb real food. So what the hell's that? Low-carb real food is one of the most powerful tools out there for losing weight, losing fat sustainably, and getting well. So we have already mentioned it's not about calories, it's about your hormones and you can tame and nurture your hormones back to health, your metabolic hormones back to health by choosing low-carb real food. I'm going to tackle the real bit first. What real food is, is food as close as possible to its natural state, the type of food that we human animals evolved to eat is real food. It's natural foods. It's foods like vegetables, fruit, nuts, and seeds. It's foods like eggs and meat and fish and seafood. And basically with all the food that you eat, you want to be consuming it in as close as possible to its natural state when it was taken from the animal or plucked from the vine, or pulled from the plant. That is natural food. That's the real component. And that is so important because highly processed foods wreak havoc with our metabolic hormones. Highly processed foods like refined flour and refined sugar cause massive increases in our insulin and as well as other hormones that put us in a fat storing state where we can't lose weight. So real food is really important for a whole host of reasons. So I recommend that absolutely everybody eat real food as much as possible. If it comes from a packet or a box, just rethink it. Aim for real food. 
So that's the real bit. But if you have a weight loss goal, say you are overweight and you want to lose body fat, or if you have metabolic disease, perhaps you know that you have high insulin or you've got diseases related to high insulin, such as fatty liver, or in my case, polycystic ovarian syndrome, and you've got metabolic issues, then you need to eat real food, yes, but also eat low carbohydrate versions of that real food. So that is not eating or avoiding foods that are high in sugar and starches. And starch is essentially just sugar. Our bodies break it down. So does that make sense? It does. It does. But I'm thinking people might need a little more clarification about what specific foods should they be avoiding. Totally. We've discussed the real foods. So if you are on a low-carb real food diet, then you want to avoid those real foods that are high in sugar and or starches. So they include the starchy vegetables, most vegetables that grow underground, such as potatoes, sweet potatoes, carrots. These are really starchy veggies. They're not inherently bad. There's nothing bad about a potato unless you have got high insulin and you want to lose weight, then eating potatoes will not serve you well. It's also the sugary foods like the fruit. Fruit is very high in sugar. It is basically nature's candy. So you want to avoid sugary fruit, which is basically all fruit. A few berries every now and again is okay on a low-carb real food diet, but all fruit and starchy veggies, as well as the legumes like chickpeas and and other beans, they are quite starchy as well. So it sounds like you're excluding a lot, but really it does leave you with a whole lot of lovely, delicious, real foods that you can eat. You know, an absolute rainbow of non-starchy veggies, meat, fish, eggs, nuts, a little bit of berries, seafood, as well as healthy fat. And healthy fats are the natural fats, fats that you know come from nature. And they include butter and lard and tallow and animal-derived fats, as well as plant-derived fats like olive oil, coconut oil, avocado oil. A special mention here for fats that you want to avoid is industrialized processed seed oils and we could talk more about these in future episodes but they're just very inflammatory and bad for your health and they are canola oil sunflower oil safflower seed oil rice bran oil they are best avoided and it leaves you this absolute wondrous palette of delicious whole real food that you can eat and enjoy and heal your metabolism while you do so So, Maz, what about porridge? I love that you asked that. Porridge comes from the grain family, and grains are an interesting one. They are, by and large, highly processed in the form that we eat them. So by the time flour gets to your pantry shelf, it's been highly processed and is no longer real. The same actually goes for oats. 
people could make an argument that you can have less processed grains, you know, such as amaranth or millet or still cut oats. And absolutely, I think you probably can on a real food diet, but they are not low carb. Grains are very high in starches. In fact, they are almost all starch. So porridge, rice, pasta, all of those grain-related foods are not in the low-carb real food diet. Okay, so if, I mean, you know, whenever I look in sort of diabetes magazines, for example, they're always saying, you know, have a good, healthy breakfast of porridge and yogurt and some fruit. What are your thoughts on that? Breaks your heart, doesn't it? Breaks my heart. Um, I, I get somewhere between sad and angry. I get sad gree. Sad gree. So, <laughs> Yeah, look, um, I, look, I'm not the only one. Uh, so, yes, who, who feels this way? Yeah, unfortunately, the wheels of change grind very slowly. In medicine, they grind very slowly indeed. And much of the advice for weight loss and advice for diabetes and polycystic ovarian syndrome disorders related to high insulin are unfortunately outdated and have not yet caught up with the state of the science. And it is changing. Look, I, I am heartened that, that things are getting better. The CSIRO released its low-carb book about four years ago, and look, it's, it's pretty good. Things are changing. They are getting better. But still, unfortunately, a lot of the official advice is still really outdated And the only way to really heal metabolic illness, the only way to get insulin down and open your uh, woodshed to burn your logs of fat is with low-carb real food. And later on, we'll talk about how you combine that with intermittent fasting. You know what? I reckon, Lucy, we should go through, just in broad terms, our green list and red list. What do you reckon? Sure. All right. Do you want to start off with the red list foods? Ah, so red list, look, the red list is basically all grains. So that includes porridge, so oats, wheat, which therefore follows on to be flour, bread, clearly cakes, things like couscous, quinoa. I know that quinoa has been touted as a superfood. And again, this is one of those things that we talk about where the treatment of obesity is different to the prevention. Once you're insulin resistant, quinoa is not your friend. That covers, I guess, most of the grains. If you want to look and just sort of let go of the big five, you'd be looking at ditching sugar, flour, potatoes, rice, and pasta. If you can take those out of your diet, even before you do anything else, you will find that will dramatically drop your insulin. Oh, excellent. So, That is a wonderful introduction to the red list and the things that you want to avoid. And that's a great actionable step. Uh, Next week, we will go into the green list because we've also got some fabulous meal ideas that you can do easily to make this lifestyle simple. It's not about making it hard. We don't want to make your life hard. But we also know that we have been hoodwinked by fast food industry and by the snack food industry and by the processed food industry. And we have forgotten how to make real food super quick and super delicious.
So, my lovely listeners, that ends this episode of Real Health and Weight Loss. I'm Dr. Lucy Burns. And I'm Dr. Mary Barson. We're from Real Life Medicine. To contact us, please visit rlmedicine.com. And until next time, thanks thanks for for listening. listening.